0: Hello, hello, hello! This is Shahar Boyayan, and you are watching Creativity in Focus. Creativity in Focus is a live interactive podcast where we highlight an artist and its art every single week. And today it's no different. I have an amazing artist with me. But before we get started, I have a few announcements to make. Like I said, this is a live interactive podcast, which means that we appreciate your contribution, your comments, and your questions during the podcast. Whatever you're watching, there's a chat box either beside or below the video or a comment box on social media well you can use that space to ask your questions you know tell your tell us your story and things like that during this podcast so very important thing because you make us make this possible and the other thing is it's really important for us to get the word out about what we do and we really rely on you to do that. There are a few ways you can do this. One is by sharing the video. Wherever you're watching there is a share button and you can share this with friends and groups and and pages. This is a content only podcast nobody's going to sell anything so it's safe for you to add to groups if you want to. Uh, Another way for you is to comment give likes or hearts uh, to the video because that really tells The social media platforms, if they should be showing to more people or not. Uh, If you miss any part of this podcast, well, it stays wherever you're watching, so you can come back and watch as many times as you want as well, okay? So today on my podcast, I have Jen Harris-Smith, and she's a, uh, well, how do I say, silversmitter, S- Silver, S- jewelry maker,
1: and all of the above. All of, all of above. Those work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and she makes amazing pieces. And we are going to have a conversation about her life, her work, and, of course, showcase some of her pieces. So, Jan, you told me before, and you, you, you told in class as well, that you started silversmitting about four years ago, correct? 40 years ago. When did you discover you had a thing for art? Uh,
1: early on. I was probably well. I, I don't. I honestly don't remember a part of my life that art wasn't involved in. I loved art from a very early age, and took started taking art classes in seventh grade, and just went forward through high school. And in high school, there was um, a student contest at the end of the year each year, and I began winning awards in mm-hmm. those. And so that encouraged me to go forward with art as a a major
0: focus of my life. That's cool. Tell me what you have dabbled with before finding (laughs) precious metals. Um, Well, originally
1: I drew, I painted, and uh, I went to college and to please my parents I majored in something I could make money in (laughs) instead of being a starving artist (laughs) and as soon as I was done I went right back to college and started taking art classes and so I thought I would be a watercolor major Hmm. and I did a lot of watercolor at that time and and it was something I was very interested in and part of getting an art degree is taking electives and so one of the electives I decided to take was metalsmithing or silversmithing. And that was it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I didn't have any use for watercolor. I have done watercolor since then, but uh, my number one passion from that time forward has been playing with metal in one way or another. So um, I took that class over and over again for Mm -hmm. quite a while. um, And because they didn't offer a major in metalsmithing, so I got as much out of that, and then I ended up moving out of state. And um, the move was for my primary career because mm-hmm. I'm a retired probation and parole officer, of all things, which is so totally unrelated to jewelry making.
0: So that was the profession you chose that could make money that, in college? Exactly. And, and for how long did you?
1: I was in uh criminal justice system doing one job or another for 30 years, and then wow. I retired.
0: Okay. Okay, so go on with the story about how you. So what I did because I
1: really, really wanted to be an artist and not a probation and parole officer was I kept my art going on the side at all times, and about um, well a little over twenty-five years ago I guess wow it that seems that's a long time. Uh, a friend of mine who owned a um, little nursery shop that raised herbs asked me if I wanted to teach art classes at her venue. Hmm. And I told her, well, I would try, but I've always been an introvert. And <laughs> so the idea of just getting up in front of people and teaching them was super scary. And I can still remember teaching the first class uh-huh. because I thought I'm never going to make it You're through am not going to survive. I'm going to shake and I'm going to faint or I'm going to do something, but I'm really going to mess this up. But it didn't turn out that way at all. I found out it was something I just enjoyed, I had a vocation for. And so I started teaching there, and then I moved on to teaching at art shops and at art retreats. And so I did that for about uh, eight years. And in the meantime, uh, I was fortunate enough to travel to Australia twice to be able to teach in that country. And I have a lot of friends there now, and it was such a wonderful, fabulous experience. And uh, uh, the first time I went was um, for a friend of mine who had gotten sick, and she couldn't do it. So I stepped Mm. into her spot. Mm -hmm. And that was scary, because she's a fabulous artist. And um, I didn't know, you know, in my eyes, I couldn't even begin to do as well as she did. But... When I got over there, I made a lot of friends, everybody was very happy, and once I got through that experience, I mm-hmm. thought, I just, I have to keep teaching, I just love this. So from that point forward, I was either teaching at a shop or a show, or at some other venue, or teaching privately, um, and then four years ago, I moved to Utah. Mm-hmm. And so, I originally was teaching up at Kimball uh, at the Kimball Arts uh-huh. Center. And I teach both uh, metal smithing and fused glass. Mm. And so um, I was there until I found my present spot at Pioneer Craft House because it's 30 miles closer yeah. and no long mountainous curvy yeah, so no, drive. No snow, yeah. <laughs> so um, now I'm teaching at Pioneer Craft House. Uh, I teach metalsmithing there and I teach how to make my glass uh, cabochons for jewelry there. And I teach here, and I teach private classes, and I'm having a wonderful time because four years ago I retired and finally became the full-time artist I wanted to be.
0: Oh, so, that, so that's the landmark. For, it's not that you started four years ago because you started... Way before that, but it's when you say, Okay, now I am a professional artist. Exactly. That's what it that, is. That's My so cool. profession
1: is as an artist now, and I'm so proud
0: of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, guest 140 is saying hi, and hi to, to all of you. Don't forget, okay. this is an interactive podcast, so if you have questions and comments, just use the comment box there or the chat box to ask Jen your questions. So before we move on with the questions, I want to show some of her work here and we are going to comment a little bit about the process. So let's start with this row first is that, okay, the That's fine. Basically the bracelets and the ring, this beautiful guy here. So let me point here this one. Tell me a little bit about the process here. What, what are the techniques involved?
1: So this is a silver bronze and glass bracelet. Uh, there's a smoky uh, quartz right here that's mounted in this tube setting this was created with one of my reactive uh, glass stones that I make for jewelry so I create these by using glass that reacts with other colors of glass and then you get new colors and you get uh, different designs in the glass and you never really know what you're going to get until you open the kiln you can kind of guess but each time I either get uh, things that are okay, but sometimes I get a wow stone. Mm-hmm. And this to me was a, was wow, a wow stone. stone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is uh, French vanilla and I think light aquamarine Okay, that's reacting together. And so it created a green color out mm-hmm. of, uh, no, I didn't even put green in there. So you can see how you get some surprises and you get some that are expected but they just turn out so beautifully. So you're using glass with
0: the same CO or?
1: Yes. Yes. The same COE. I use 90 and, uh, but they have different chemicals. So like there's a group of glass that's usually yellow or red, and that is um, sulfur containing. And then you have a group of uh, colors that are turquoise in color, or they have some kind of blue green tinge to it. And they have copper in it and the copper and the sulfur react. So, between the two coming together and they have to be touching uh, for that reaction to occur, uh, you get things like this stone here and this stone next to it that looks like turquoise is actually glass as well. So, it's well. a glass
0: piece as well, but, and it's, it is gorgeous. Okay, Anything about the process here?
1: No, it's just a it's just simple just ring, a simple but ring. the stone, I, I wanted to highlight the stone uh-huh. rather than the piece yes. because it's
0: so pretty. Okay, now the bracelet here.
1: The bracelet and the ring next to it are made with a process called piercing and uh, overlay. So this is a bracelet that I cut this design out of 20 gauge silver and with a jewelry saw. So this took quite a while to, <laughs> I was I going to, to drill that. into these holes uh, and then saw carefully around the border and pop the piece out. Mm -hmm. And I had to do that for every little cavity on here. Just drill a hole, bring the saw blade through and cut out what I want it.
0: And it's- That's beautiful. How how much would, uh, because it takes a long time in this one. So how much would this be, would you sell this for?
1: I could not (laughs) impair to part with that one, but (laughs) if I did make one like that, I would sell it for probably around $180.
0: Okay the crow
1: the crow i drew out free-handed on paper and uh, then i put an outline on it uh, on my silver and then scribed it on because the scribe lines work so much better than sharpie or anything else beautiful and cut that out with a jewelry saw and then soldered it to another piece of metal and then form the it's called a saddle ring because it looks like a saddle coming over the top of your ring and um, they just soldered them together, and I haven't decided yet. I have a star garnet that I want to put right here in the middle. Oh, so you may still continue working. I'm still trying working. to decide that. And this one? OK, so this is called a tension bracelet. And this is a piece of Larimar. It's got bronze on top and a little CZ tube set uh, stone there. But the fun thing about this, and, oh, there we go, is this is held on. Uh, by tension with a band and a hook. Oh. So on the back, I also have uh, aquamarine stones.
0: Nice.
1: Just so that the back is as pretty as the front. Uh
0: huh. That's beautiful. Uh, I just forgot one thing. You are also a glass artist, correct? I am. So tell me a little bit about that. Do you do lamp work? What is it that? I don't
1: do lamp work. Uh-huh. I do fused glass only, and mm-hmm. I work. Uh, I have a studio, a glass studio in my house, and a metal smithing studio in my mm-hmm. house. It's like so. You go there. I say, should I go to the right or should, <laughs> or should, go should I, go I go to the to left? left. <laughs> um, so it, to create my glass. Uh, I'm doing mostly stones for jewelry right now, but I also do very big pieces. And I've uh, won awards through the local glass guild for the work I've done. And this all started about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a class in uh, Portland that said, uh, just have fun with fused glass. Uh-huh. and. I thought, you know, I've always just wanted to see what the process was, and so I signed up for the class and I was just intrigued by it, it was so cool. And so being in Portland and right at uh, one of the, well actually at that time, two of the major glass uh, suppliers for art glass, I could just take classes to my heart's content, (laughs) so I decided to learn a bit about fused glass. Uh and started making my own glass and so I just incorporated that into so that I could sell them both at the same time.
0: So you usually use the glass with some metal? Usually with some metal. Okay, cool. Do you mind pointing the microphone to your face? Sure. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, So your passion is more towards metal or glass? I have a hard time with you that. Hard time <laughs> defining, yeah. But I would say metal. Now, don't you find it interesting that your first interest as an artist was actually with watercolor, yes. with painting, which is a very two-dimensional thing, and then you you also play with pottery, correct? Yes. You still do, or not right now, but I certainly did in the past. And so sculpture. then you you went to something that is a lot more tactile, mm-hmm. and. Tell me a little bit about that, because usually what we see is that an artist that is attracted to painting, for example, they go in into other forms of art, but always in the two-dimensional field. Uh, do you find that interesting <laughs> or not that you, you go to vote? For example, I, I don't have any interest in two-dimensional work. I, I, I need the tactile, uh-huh. I need the 3D on everything I do, even if I'm making a... A greeting card. I will find a way for it to have some dimension. Well, I was really fortunate in high school to have a high school teacher that
1: pretty much didn't supervise us and let us do <laughs> the whatever best. was uh, in our mind. And he opened up all the possibilities, possibilities to uh-huh. us. And so one of the, we rotated through different things during the year. And one of the things we did was um, copper enameling. Mm-hmm in a kiln, and so um, I really, really like, I don't know why I'm so attracted to heat and flame and torches and things like that. They're very interesting tools to work with, and so Uh I was very drawn to the copper enameling, and that was probably my first experience in making any kind of jewelry was with the copper enameling. And of course, what makes copper enameling is glass, so it's a glass powder on copper. Uh So, I had 3D and I had 2D and I'm very much drawn to the 3D but I was mostly exposed to the 2D and so that's where I started and then once I took that jewelry class and I could create you know three-dimensional things mm-hmm. then the two-dimensional kind of faded to the okay. background and even now I still like I draw in my sketchbook constantly making mm-hmm. designs and everything so it's not that I don't like 2D, but I just need this, this feeling more. of, of yeah. creating an object instead of just a
0: yeah. picture. I get that very well. Jen Ro is asking, is your COE 90 bull, uh, bullseye? Yes. Yes? Yes. That's what we use, Miss. Now, you said you work as a parole office. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> T- tell me a little bit about that. Um, I I was a
1: parole officer for 24 years, probation and parole officer, Uh and I uh, have been anywhere from an officer all the way up to a district manager. Um, I have worked for the parole commission in Idaho, and I I did, I was just kind of a jack of all trades, kind of explored it all. But in the last 10 years of my career, I really started focusing on uh, supervising the mentally ill because I felt like I could really do the best job with them in creating a safe home, safe Mm -hmm. place for them to go to and make sure that they got back on their medication and they were on a mental health team so that they wouldn't fall back into the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. Because uh, these are people that they may commit uh, criminal activity, and certainly they do, but maybe not so voluntarily not so selfishly Mm -hmm. not because they're you know they're consciously harming another person but more because they honestly um, aren't in touch with reality Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so and they tend to fall into homelessness and um, not being connected to family anymore because their family doesn't know what to do with them so i felt like i accomplished something very positive Mm -hmm. in supervising them
0: in any situation, uh, did you ever have a, a chance of introducing art to them, or activities uh, related to anytime that? Any time
1: I could refer them into <laughs> it, <laughs> because art is very beneficial, uh-huh. and art therapy is uh, a genuine therapy that helps uh, you know, a whole range of people, mm-hmm. not just the mentally
0: ill. That's cool. Yeah, I, I'm a big advocate of introducing art. Well, I think, you know, in Japan, for example, um, Uh, police officers, they get training in the ikebana Mm -hmm. or or bonsai, and it's exactly for them to be able to deal with something that is not Mm non-violent and know how to create harmony
2: with flowers in
0: that case. But uh, what they are trying to accomplish is uh, should a a situation, a very tense situation occur, they would have, uh, you know, the time, that split second, to make a decision that could have a more positive outcome. And also release the stress uh, on their daily lives, right? I I believe in Japan they don't carry guns, if I'm not wrong, but it still, you know, can be very stressful. Even in England, they didn't carry guns for the longest time. Yeah,
1: yeah. Many places, they don't. Uh, It was an option for us, and Uh so, um, and then for others, it wasn't an option, Mm -hmm. so just I worked in two different states, and so each state is extremely different in what they do.
0: Mm-hmm. But art is not part of any recovery program that no, is... No, and it, it, it truly could
1: be. Uh-huh. Art keeps your sanity, and yeah. it, keeps you, it keeps your mind focused on um, positive, exciting, mm-hmm. forward-moving mm-hmm. things, instead of the negativity. And it was an extremely negative uh, environment mm-hmm. that I was in, and so art was my way of being able to survive that environment without any lasting damage.
0: And, and do you see any any difference in the result of your art during that period and now? Because like you said, you, your daily life was intense and mm-hmm. negative. When you went to create, how it, were your pieces of that? It, they were very, very similar. And I think yeah. that the reason
1: for that is that uh, when you're doing art, uh, you're actually... Uh, focused on the art. It allows you to, what's called hyper focus, Uh and so everything else just falls away. So you're not really affected by the job so much because the job has fallen away into the Mm -hmm. background while you're focusing on your
0: creative activity. That's fun, that's fun. Let's show a few more pieces that you have here. Tell us a little bit about the process. Okay, so the earrings here
1: Uh and the Necklace over here are both made out of copper mm-hmm. with a process called fold forming. So they're folded in half and uh, Then I heat them up so that I soften the metal again and then open them and the fold remains wherever I hammered it and Then I textured the earrings with a hammer. So these are very simple uh, earrings and pendants to make and I'm uh, actually this is a uh, for a class that I'll be teaching out in the community to mm-hmm. uh, more disadvantaged people who does, they don't have access to tools and the ability to um, uh, create art. So to be able to introduce them to it, you find a way to make it possible for anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And this little guy, or do you wanna talk about this one first?
1: Oh, well, we can talk. This is just uh, domed earrings. The, so it's a disc of silver and I put it in a dapping block and dome it. And then I tube set two rubies inside of it. Um, and I really liked the way that they came out. And I added earring, ear wires to these that were more rounded that kind of matched um, the shape of the earring.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful.
1: And the little guy here, so these, this is turquoise stones that are mm. set on top of a square wire here. And inside of this is a clear slice of uh, geode that I had.
2: Mm.
1: And there was a cavity in it. And so I tube set, uh, well, I did a stone-on-stone mounting of this face and uh, brought it through the back and riveted it so that it could sit there right on top of that. And it's just a a serenity necklace. You could see just the back of the rivet right there. Mm
0: It's very pretty. And this bird, we've seen this bird during your class a few times. I think it's one of my favorite pieces. I very much miss
1: my bird. (laughs) So this is, um, originally I was demonstrating for my class how to etch at um, Pioneer, and Uh so I etched this piece, and that was a demo piece, and I thought that would look so good if I put a stone under it. And then I had this the stone, and this is a clearer dichroic stone, so it has a sheen and shine to it, Mm -hmm. but you can still see through it, so I thought, well, what if I just put something under that that made it super interesting and unique? And so this is a piece of antique music, and I coated both sides with a sealant to make sure that uh, even if water seeps into this necklace, it won't be ruined and then set the stone on top of that so that you could see it. And it says Dolce on this piece of music and Dolce means sweet, so I thought <laughs> it was a sweet piece.
0: That's very cool. Let's talk about two more. So this one?
1: This is a uh, bracelet, a toggle bracelet that's completely handmade. I even made the toggle clasp that's on it. And it's all I did was set bezels and put stones into it And then I made these um, kind of uh, oval, oblong uh, pieces of uh, jump ring and soldered them together and then soldered them on the back. And then I used jump rings to connect all of that. Down here, I just hung a little um, charm. This is a compass. Oh. And then just a little itty bitty.
0: Piece of dichroic glass That's there in cool. a bezel. So, how long does it take you to make a bracelet, a bracelet like this?
1: Well, I get interrupted a lot, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it it might take me two or three days to uh-huh. get the the whole project done. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I was getting ready, I I actually was in Craft Lake City a few weeks ago and showing my stuff. I had uh-huh. a vendor booth, and I had uh, the. Four days in front of that, I worked solid twelve-hour days, it, and the only time I left was to eat. And I uh-huh. was amazed at how much I you're can gonna do when it. I don't get interrupted.
0: <laughs> so you—you you mean you, you're married, right? I you, am. Is it the husband that interrupts you all the sometimes, time? Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes or cats or and the dogs. dogs. Ah. Or the cat and
1: yeah. That's so cool.
0: we have three huge dogs
1: and and one cat, and
0: mm-hmm. they keep us busy. So I know teaching is something that you, you're very passionate about very and you, you so. mentioned that not only you teach at curious Mondo, but, uh, local places that as well, and you travel, but you mentioned this new project that you have with, uh, people for, for with low income people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what's your main goal with them? What?
1: I want to make art accessible to everyone. So I used to work at an art retreat and I just loved it. And, And they're wonderful places to go to and be at, but they're very expensive. And I would get comments all the time, oh, I sure wish I could take your class, but I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. So what I want to be able to do is bring the arts to people who can frequently say Mm -hmm. that they can't afford that and make it accessible for them in some way so that they can enjoy art too, because art is a therapy that improves your Mm -hmm. life.
0: I think beyond therapy, It can be a source of income for yes, the poor. Very much. So. I mentioned this several times before, but in America, people lose their homes to foreclosure on average because of three hundred dollars. If they only had three hundred dollars, they wouldn't lose the house. So when you're teaching this, is of course there is the therapeutic side, but they can sell. How much could they sell a heart for? Like the necklace or?
1: Oh, those would easily if you for the. Uh- Twenty dollars for the earrings and maybe twenty dollars for the necklace, mm-hmm. and if they did it well, and uh, just a steady, steady point of income for them to fall back on. Certainly, I used it as uh, I was single for fourteen years and, and on my own, and mm-hmm. my art back, my art income backed up my regular income mm-hmm. and made
0: it made life much easier that mm-hmm. way. Me as well. Yeah, I I, I always had something coming from art from both sides, first of all, to validate what mm-hmm. we are doing. I think that's great. But that extra money, you can you can say it's play money, but during hard times, mm-hmm. it's crucial money mm-hmm. and you have. And, and I always think, you know, I've moved and I moved different continents and everything. But in the back of my mind, I always knew that my hands can create income at any point. Yes. So however bad a situation could become, I know I could be able to get out because I know how to make something. And, and that's what I, I fear a little of what's happening in our society. Because first of all, we, for a long time, we thought everything can come from China, so I don't need to make anything. It's not worth making because you can get for a dollar, for $2, but that, that decrease, decreases the level of resourcefulness that we have as people. So should the difficult time come, we wouldn't be able to, to survive, right? We would yes. need help. And why do we put us in the situation of somebody else needs to come and help me, right? Wouldn't it be better to be able to get out of the hole, whenever you are. So I think it's fantastic what you're doing. How much uh, the person would be investing to create a necklace and a and well, a, a pair of earrings? Copper is,
1: is relatively cheap. Cheap, huh? And so um, I think I have about a 12 by 6 inch sheets. Um, Maybe $28, and mm-hmm.
0: so you could get several out of that many, many sets uh-huh. out of that. That's so cool. Uh, Cindy King is saying, So enjoy her classes, learn so much.
1: Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> really, really, really appreciates this, right? the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Well, the feedback's important to me because, you know, when you're teaching, it's it's not a matter of just spouting out a bunch of knowledge, uh-huh. it's a matter of being able to reach people and, and talk a language that. Uh, helps them understand Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Uh, One of the gals today was asking how they would set uh, enamel jewelry in a setting. Mm -hmm. And so that was really difficult for me because it's very hard to talk visual in language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so trying to help her picture something in her mind uh, with words mm-hmm. is sometimes very difficult. So I love getting feedback from my students. I love finding out that I've reached them in some way and they've been able to learn from me.
0: So have you had in the past experiences teaching before you start teaching art classes? No. Or no? That was, no. <laughs> so, wow,
1: that's so cool. So the only thing that came close was um, when I was working as a probation and parole officer, uh, I volunteered reluctantly. to uh, teach, uh, or not even teach so much, but lead groups with the uh, criminal offenders, Mm -hmm. to teach them how to think better. So they were called cognitive self-change classes at that time. I'm sure they've gone through a lot of evolution since Mm -hmm. then. But we taught thinking errors and and better decision-making and things like that. So the very first time I taught, uh, one of our... I wasn't in management then. So one of the guys that was in management comes in and says, Hey, I'd like to sit in your class. This is like my first night. Mm -hmm. And I'm shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) please don't do that. Uh But he came in there and then uh, afterwards he came up and he said, Oh, you did a great job, except for your shaky voice and your shaky hands. But, but
0: it's because he it was. to so I was scared
1: to death because I was, I'm very much an introvert. Uh-huh. Uh, I know I don't sound like it, but I am. And um, so I was absolutely terrified. But his words uh, made it okay for me. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, as long as I'm communicating and I'm, I'm, I'm able to move the information in my head to somebody else's head, mm-hmm. then I'm on track to go forward. It certainly wasn't good at that point in time, and mm-hmm. don't know how good I
0: am now. But um, well, for what love I see it. during the chat during the the classes, uh, you do an excellent job. I think uh, teaching is not an easy task, no. whatsoever. But you know, having in mind that the receptor, the student needs to understand whatever you're trying to convey, and and you go in depth in what you were explaining and that makes a huge difference. So I know you have an act for that, but I also know that's your it, really your your new passion, right? You think teaching is... I love to teach, uh-huh. I, I do love to teach. But the only reason I'm, I'm super uh,
1: excited about teaching is I'm teaching what's my passion. Uh-huh. So yeah. um, any way that I can create more time to work in metal or work in glass is good time, time mm-hmm. well spent. Mm-hmm. And to do it amongst people who absolutely enjoy the same things is like That's being right. in heaven. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. awesome. And so I teach a class all day on Saturday at Pioneer Craft House. That's like the highlight of my week mm-hmm. to be able to walk in there with all of my students and be able to enjoy the day.
0: That's so cool. Now, can a, a person make a living making this type of? Yeah, they,
1: they absolutely can, mm-hmm. and you know it. It matters. Everything matters uh, when it comes down to marketing and going out there mm-hmm. and doing the work. So, fifty percent is enjoying your jewelry and making it, and fifty percent is reaching out to your your public, mm-hmm. your customer base, and saying this is my latest, here it is, being active on social media, mm-hmm. uh, taking an opportunity to market yourself and move forward.
0: So uh, you have to do both to be able to be successful mm-hmm. being uh, in selling talented, your stuff. It's not going to, to be enough. Right there is the sale and, and as as a society, we resist a lot when it comes the time to ask for money. And even marketing, I know because I work as a consultant for many years, and people have this huge resistance, right that like almost is a sin, but is a crucial part of it, creating visibility and desire for for what so you do.
1: Whatever person in your childhood, for me, it was teachers that said, don't market yourself, talking mm-hmm. about yourself is, makes you a bad person, Mm -hmm. makes you uh, an ego, so to speak. And they would say, just, no, we don't want to hear about you. You'd be Mm -hmm. quiet. So first half of my life, I sat in a corner and was quiet. And and, uh, ever since then, I've never quit talking. So I'm just warning you. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, once you learn how to do it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not a sin to market yourself. It's the only way people are going to find you. Uh, yep. And it's fun. It really is fun. It can be fun. I, I meet all kinds it, yeah. of people, and yeah. I really, really enjoy that. I love making new friends, mm-hmm. and I love uh, uh, being able to make friends on Facebook and Instagram and mm-hmm. and um, have that feedback. So I have a lot of um, jeweler friends that are on Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook and, and friended with me. And the greatest thing about that is you have a whole audience that gives you really good feedback on things that you want to know yep. Yep. you know am i coming across is this a good piece of jewelry mm-hmm. is you know Are and they're very honest in their critique and very supportive and you're supportive back and it, it's a complete community that
0: um, helps you in mm-hmm. that respect and, and today we have we have the the benefit of having groups for every single mm-hmm. interest out there we it puts you in contact with other people that are doing what you're doing it puts you in contact with the same fears you have seeing other people oh my gosh my first show i didn't sell anything and it puts you in touch also with professionals that you admire so mm-hmm. it, it's a unique moment for us to market it, it that is. can be that can be extremely beneficial uh one of the greatest things about the facebook groups and uh i am i'm only
1: on facebook to keep in touch with friends that are far away and for those groups mm-hmm. i just i love those groups and so uh, i was reading the other day and some woman was doing their very first show and they'd never done a show before mm-hmm. so she pitches a question out there and says when you did shows what did you wish you had done during the first show that you didn't do Mm -hmm. and so everybody jumps on the wagon and answers that question and you get lots and lots of good feedback. Mm -hmm. And the moderators are super good about getting any flaming remarks off and don't tolerate people uh, being bullied or talked down Mm -hmm. to or anything like that. So very safe place to be,
0: very wonderful place to learn new things. There are some very angry people there but they are the minority. They are. How many shows uh, do you do a year? Um, so this is my first year back since I moved because
1: everything starts over again when you move I found out so uh, in fact when I started teaching at Kimball I remember the gal that was in charge of education up there says well you need to get on Facebook and market these classes well my entire Facebook book (laughs) book group was either in Australia okay. or in Vancouver, Washington, yeah, so yeah. it didn't, it wasn't plausible uh-huh. to do that. So it took me a good three years just to build up uh, community knowledge mm-hmm. and going to the shows and seeing if it was something that I would like to you know, be in mm-hmm. because some of the shows are not uh, what I am interested in doing. And then once I focused on that, then I joined the Glass Guild here, and I've done several shows mm-hmm. through the Glass Guild. So that's at least two a year. Two a year, yeah. And then I did Craft Lake City this year,
0: and I've already applied for two Christmas shows. So. Wow, you're going to be busy. Yeah. Let's, rev- uh, let's talk about these last pieces here. So this one? So this is a
1: piece of my copper enameling, and I, it's hard to see in the light. But what it is is white enamel, and in graphite, I drew a feather. Uh, oh, across it I
0: see. okay
1: so it's hard to see with the light because the light hits right where the feather is drawn and then i created the mountains and the red rock uh, canyons in front of it and then on the back i mounted a malachite
0: hmm why, why do you work the back
1: um because almost every time I look down at my pendants, they've they over. They flip over. Oh, yeah, that is so annoying. It
0: happens all the time. Let so, me see. Not today. And then, not today, but, you know, it flips over and it's like this nice. blank That's piece nice, of metal. Yes, yes.
1: And you just think, gosh, Man. if you just put something on it. And so, and then it started to get to be a challenge. And so this piece here is one of the bigger challenges I've done. I've done three or four pieces like this now, Mm -hmm. and this is the only one I have left. Um, This is one of my dichroic uh, glass stones. And on the front, I have put, when you wish upon a star. And then across the stone, I put a a wire and soldered on several stars. And then I did the back. And so it has stars Mm -hmm. and a moon, and it says your dreams come true.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So, yeah. I really think it's fun to try and do both sides. It makes the soldering just a little bit trickier because you're heating that piece over and over know. again and you risk losing one of your solder joints uh, when you do that, but it's I love being challenged. So all <laughs> somebody has problem. to do is make yeah. it a challenge. What about this feather? This feather, um, is Mm fold-formed. So you have this line here from where I folded it, hammered it, and then opened it again and the line stays. And then all the lines for the feather quills were created by uh, hammering it with a screwdriver that I had adapted for uh, making lines in the uh, feather. Mm -hmm. And then I just cut slits like feathers have in the uh, metal. It's a little easier to see on the other side. And then put a dichroic stone at the top.
0: Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. From all the techniques that you use in your jewelry making, is there one that you think is easier to sell? No,
1: because, well, no, I, sh- I should say anything turquoise eventually goes. sells. <laughs> so uh, people love turquoise. Huh. But uh, people are individuals, and they will pick out what is... Calling to them, mm-hmm. and what them what makes them feel special or unique, and so sometimes you hit on that, sometimes you don't, um, it and uh, you just continue to make your jewelry evolve to match mm-hmm. their needs. So when I you know I tend to make heavy pendants, and so this time uh, when I did the show, I really made an effort to make some very
0: lightweight small pendants uh-huh. as well. Did they sell well? They did. Nice. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I like big pieces. I, I don't have anything small, or discreet. <laughs> it's not my thing. I, I like well, my my pers- I think I have a loud personality. I think the package needs to follow that. Mm-hmm. But you hear a lot about accent pieces and and beautiful pieces. But when you are around and you're you know walking and shopping, you really see people like very delicate stuff. It's hard to find a woman That's very true wearing wearing statement pieces so i always question myself so is statement really Does the statement pieces really in or what's going on because that's not usually what you see on a day-to-day life on a party or something else then yes mm-hmm. do you see the same thing um yeah yeah very much, much. <laughs> but we still make the statement ones because they're the fun well, ones so there's two
1: kinds of jewelry that you make you make the jewelry that you're going to sell mm-hmm. And you make the jewelry that's a challenge and you know if it weren't a challenge every day to make something Mm -hmm. you would just lose all interest Mm -hmm. so i don't care if my statement pieces sell so much as if i get them done and if they uh teach me Mm -hmm. what i wanted to learn right
2: Right.
1: so or if i met that challenge and now i'm ready for the (laughs) next one yeah (laughs) i like that too what inspires you oh Other artists, mostly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I follow an artist on Etsy who, uh, she makes beautiful jewelry. Her jewelry's lovely, it's out of silver. It's message jewelry, so there's Mm -hmm. always a message Message to her jewelry, it has some meaning to it. She does blog posts that uh, support that meaning Uh and explain it and make you wanna be a part of that. And so I follow her sales she has sales uh, every couple of months mm-hmm. she announces it it's going to be this night this time okay stay tuned i actually set my alarm <laughs> so because i don't want to miss it i may not buy anything and i generally don't but she is so fascinating to me that she's done this amazing uh, marketing uh, uh, she has amazing marketing ability mm-hmm. and then on top of that her jewelry's beautiful and she doesn't hesitate to ask the high price for her jewelry mm-hmm. and literally this sells her everything in her shop sells in less than 15 minutes wow wow and so and it's a combination of beautiful
0: jewelry and amazing marketing do you know, is, she, is she marketing more on instagram facebook do you know uh
1: she just sends out a note, a note if, if you by follow email. her if you follow her on her website or you follow her mm-hmm. on social media she does send out notices that this show is coming up and then Bang, everybody yep. gets on. She that's has fine. that many followers because of the way she markets and the way she, and her jewelry
0: mm-hmm. too that's.: what So you
1: kind of aspire to be like somebody yes. like that. Yes,
0: yes, awesome. What keeps your creativity focused? Um,
1: I think I was born that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was um, like five or six years old, I picked up a kid's encyclopedia and started reading it, and I read the whole thing. Really? I've always been curious, (laughs) and I've always uh, had a need to be doing something with my hands Mm -hmm. or my brain or something. I I don't sit still well. I'm one of those people that can't watch a TV show unless I have something going on. So Mm -hmm. my tablet's open, or I'll be working on jewelry or doing something, but um, I'm just one of those people that's constantly
0: saying what if.
2: Oh well, uh, I know? did this with this, yeah.
0: yes, yes. I'm like that too. That's cool. So tell us where people can find you. <laughs> of course, Curious Mondo is one of the places, but social media, website. So uh, Jen Harris Smith on Facebook,
1: Jen Harris Smith Studio on Facebook, uh, Jen Harris Smith Studio on Instagram. Okay. And I am on Etsy, but right now my shop is almost empty because I'm waiting to see how the new Etsy uh, changes and in price increases roll out. Will
0: impact, but but you tend to sell online as well, or or not?
1: It just depends on what happens with what Etsy. What happens now. And then mm-hmm. um, I have on my website jennharrissmithstudio.com is right now just a portfolio, but I have the ability to to make it into a shop and I will probably Mm -hmm. be doing that in the future. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's cool. Thank you so much Thank you for being here. This is not the only interview Jen Harris has given to Creativity in Focus. A few months ago she did an awesome interview with uh, I was going to mess up her name. Can you believe that? She has <laughs> 11 courses here and I was going to mess up the name. But I know it's Jody McCraney Russia. And if you watch that one you just go back on the creativityinfocus.com. We have all the interviews that have been done with this podcast. It's very fun and then they go a lot more in detail. detail. Detail on the process of each piece, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know they both know what they are talking about. Here, there's only one person that knows. (laughs) And so so don't forget to watch that one too because it gives you a lot of insights and hopefully a lot of inspiration uh, for you to create more. I know Jam loves to inspire people to create, and that's why she loves teaching so much. And of course, you can also check her courses here at curiousmondo.com. Well, next week, we will have another amazing artist and showcasing their art, so don't forget to tune in. We go live every single, is it Tuesday today? Every single, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 3, uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget to to give us a like. And if you really enjoyed this and you were watching this on Facebook, uh, don't forget to like our page creativityinfocus.com. And if you can take a second and leave a review, that would help a lot. As Jen knows, marketing on social media is not the easiest thing, right? It takes a lot of work (laughs) and, and you can, you know, make it a little easier for us. With that said, I hope to see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you so much. Thank you.